If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, th- this one is uh, is going to be interesting for me, man. It, it, hit, uh, it, hit, it, hit, it hits home? I honestly wasn't even looking into the issue just to until we, we were going to talk about it. Like, in the sense that I just didn't, didn't want to know the details until I had to. Were, were you like, say it ain't so? You mean like that? <laughs> um, well, it's more that with the current outrage culture that I anticipate the commentary on this to be, I don't want to say disingenuous because that's not the right word, but it's it fails like most things to, you know, have a nuanced conversation to understand cause and effect versus virtue signaling about you know, what we think should be done as a solution. And and the prime example re- would be in respect to, I think, the stuff about the board, right? Like, I f- and, and I, I'm not saying getting rid of the board and, and those calls are wrong. It's that I don't, I can't trust that those are deemed to be the right response as opposed to symbolically they're the right response, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm not sure if I follow. Okay, um, so but well, but, but uh, just just yeah. for the listeners, um, if if you didn't read if you didn't um read the title or you didn't read the the fine print, uh, we're going to be talking about Hockey Canada and the scandal that's uh, going on with the organization. And the points Joel and I will be hitting are uh, how important is Hockey Canada uh, to Canadians, uh, the moral corruption in um in hockey Canada and will hockey Canada uh, ever recover from this? So for those who don't know, uh, basically hockey Canada has hit a scandal and I'm looking at the CBC sports.com and it says since May, well, the, well, the title of the article is called hockey Canada scandal explained Uh, CEO, Scott Smith board of directors steps, stepped down amidst financial pressure. So Hockey Canada is expecting, oh sorry, Ho- Hockey Canada is experiencing fallout after settling a sexual assault lawsuit in May, and so it basically says that uh, since May, Hockey Canada has been embroiled in a scandal after it was revealed by TSN that the organization settled a lawsuit with a woman who claimed to have been sexually assaulted by eight players in 2018, including members of the U20 men's junior team. And and so what I what I was referring to was the calls for the board. Now, um, the the calls for the board to resign, and um, you know the calls for the CEO to resign. My my point was part of the reason I was avoiding the the conversation or you know avoiding digging into the details was with our current sort of cancel culture. You know the calls to cancel those people. I I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. 
I, I'm saying that I wasn't sure I was going to find a nuanced conversation about why is that the right thing to do as opposed to it is the symbolic thing to do. Now, um, I will say that as things have progressed and the reputation and the, let's say the cancel culture piece has continued, um, and, and I only say cancel culture as a you know reference, not trying to say that this is the same as other scenarios at all. Um, I think the reputation of Hockey Canada and its um, advertisers and all of that that's gone on, there's they had no choice other than like from a purely PR perspective, they had to to cancel or they had to you know ask for their board <laughs> resignations. Um, okay, okay. Because so that... it, it's bad, it's bad. And one of the uh, the links I'll have in the show notes page, I think, is a CBC article uh, that that really does a good job of documenting all of the it's called tracking the fallout of the hockey can canada scandal from uh, october 7th and it just it's it's pretty it goes through a number of things whether it's the different hockey associations um it does a good job of documenting what's the response from hockey associations what's the response from different advisors i know our, our producers chirping me for saying that cbc did a good job um i know it's a rarity but sometimes that I mean, for the most part, this seems like a pretty objective article of just documenting what happened as opposed to, you know, obviously there's a little bit of commentary, but for the most part, it's pretty, pretty much just like factual. Okay. So then, uh, this fallout, how, how important is, uh, hockey Canada to, uh, to Canadians in, in light of what, what, what just happened? Do you think Canadians care? You think we care so, about this or is it just like, ah, I, th I think there's this is where things are we're, muddled. Well, we're hockey country. Well, we're a hockey country, no? Yeah, but but there's like there's hockey Canada as it relates to let's call it all of minor hockey, and then there's hockey Canada as it relates to professional development. Sounds like the same thing to me. But go ahead. Well, my point is that the kid who's playing house league, who's going nowhere, is potentially impacted by this. That's yeah. a problem. Right. But the professional development piece actually may be related to what's going on is what I'm trying to say. Right. So, so the, the minor hockey infrastructure that is just, that has pieces related to kids just playing sport, there's going to potentially consequences of an entire board and your CEO resigning in that, like, does that impact the operational side of minor hockey or minor? Well, maybe, maybe like, well, I guess my question is, uh, are those guys bringing about results? So from a perspective of, are they winning? So, yeah. I mean, hockey Canada as a developmental for professional athletes and professional program, I would say the symbol, the symbol is look at how, our, um, they're called, let's call them major junior leagues. So your OHL, your CHL and your Quebec league. So the Ontario major hockey league, the Quebec major hockey league, and then essentially Can CHL, which is the Canadian rest of Canada version of, of those two major leagues. Uh, so that would be, I want to say up to 20 year olds and there's five years. So 15 to, or 16 to 20 year olds for the most part. Contrast that with any other sports professional program in North America. So whether it's baseball, 
soccer, well, baseball, basketball, and football, for the most part, you go to an American high school, you go to American college as your, you know, developmental program. Canada doesn't, is, is, has separate leagues that people will move to Canada to play in the OHL, right? They will send the, the European who's at the top of their league potentially comes to Canada to play in our junior hockey leagues as the best way to get to the NHL. So in, in that sense, we have an exceptional developmental program. We are the, the best in terms of developing athletes. I mean, if you look at the NHL, 50% of the NHL roughly, and maybe that number is dim- diminishing a little, 50% of the number, 50% of the NHL professional athletes are, are Canadian. Okay. And so we do have the best development. The question is, will that affect this? Um, I, I honestly would say it depends on really what, let's say, politicians and those outside that are calling for change deem as the cause. And so this is where, you know, the cause of all these problems and, you know, if there's some, I would say some articles sort of indicate that um, some of these nuances are specific to hockey. And so is, you know, hockey culture the problem is the question. Yeah, I, I, I it's funny because um, I'm actually in, no, I shouldn't say it, it might sound bad, but it I don't mean it this way, but I'm actually enjoying uh, this conversation. Um with 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 uh my hockey friends because i'm curious i'm um i'm watching it and i'm wondering again like how is this impacting the hockey community and are they kind of like oh you know i always knew this was going on it was only a matter of time before we got caught oh you know or 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 this is a black eye um on on the community uh and with that said uh we'll transition into point two uh the moral corruption in hockey and I'll just say this, and I'll pass the mic back to you. I I don't see this in Basketball Canada. Now, when you say this, what are you referring to? No, no, because so for the, for those listeners who aren't watching it on YouTube, I'm I'm giving Joel that look, like what the hell? Come on, man. What do you mean? So, what am I so, referring to? What, what man? I, mean, I just said that don't happen. In, this don't happen in basketball. Who so are doing this? Come on, man. Are, what, what's, so what's going on? Are you so? Because here's the thing, what I what I deem the biggest cause of the problems, God God complex for elite players, mm-hmm. unaccountability for elite players, and sexual depravity, highlighted as a cultural problem, and lastly, um, the lack of identifying what is uh, positive masculinity or in our sense, godly masculinity in culture. Mm-hmm. So I would say those are catalysts in all professional scenarios. And I mean, go look at what we've seen, you know, professional NFL at a quarterback level only again, God complex reference. And I can explain the God complex reference in the hockey a little bit, it's a little more nuanced and I can, and I can explain that, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Jump to that just for a second. But, time. but you know, there's like the God complex. I think if you ref- go go look at the NFL and the bad things that have happened there, where has it always happened at the quarterback? And and the the God complex idea is that like I'm above these things, but also people worship you, and so you get away with things. Um, in and even in the sense of like when I say get away with things, I don't even necessarily mean illegal things. I mean you know, let's say treating women like garbage, right? Treating them as disposable, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You get away with it because yes. they, they worship you, right? Um, so the God complex piece in, in hockey, the nuance or is I think there's a bit more of a team God complex. And this has to do with the the way that um, our system is a little bit, the sport is elitist. At the same time, what do you what do you mean by that? Um, it costs close to ten grand to play on a AAA hockey team a year. Ten grand? Whoa! And your your double A would probably be maybe five grand. Your A two to five grand. So the 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 elite players will probably make it onto the AAA team at a fraction of the cost because the rest of the team without them necessarily knowing it, the manager will essentially top up everyone else so that this kid who's your superstar, but it can only, you know, his parents are poor. He's still on the team. Mm-hmm. But the, the God complex piece is that if you're in school and there's someone in your grade that plays double a, but you can say, Oh, I play triple a. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good that guy is. I play triple a, right? You're, you're the best. And, and we have, an abundance of high-end hockey, but it's very, very expensive because travel, tournaments, you know, it's... it's Equipment. Equip, ice, ice alone is a... It's like $400 an hour to, to minimum to rent ice. Really? Here I am complaining oh. about gym time to go play pickup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So That's a lot. So the, the other side of that, though, I think um, with that elitism is also an additional unaccountability or lack of accountability, right? Because if you're coming up, you know, I don't know about you. I'm assuming you've had this talk. Like, it's funny. You talk about like the talk that you got about cops. Dude, my dad gave me the same thing. It's like, you get pulled over, you put your hands on the wheel, you don't move. Like you, you gotta be like that guy could, you know, end your life. Like, you know, and so I, I bring that up to say like, you know, when you're rich, your parents don't tell you that. Because they just call the lawyer and they make it go away. Right? Like we have a societal problem uh, or a systemic problem in our court system that you get away with things based on money. And I think that is actually a compound to this issue. And so this is where the elitism in hockey, while I think it affects, you know, the, the elites in any context, don't aren't held to, you know, we're not all equal under the law. And I've referenced this before in in different conversations that, you know, your legal outcome is highly affected by how much wealth you have. And so um, I think there is an aspect. So this case, what, what I've read in the articles and what I would say is a fair comment is that the group nature of some of these accusations does seem to be unique to hockey. And 
I think hockey has a unique bonding of teams. And whether that's based on the nature of play, where, you know, as much as you might have best players, it's very, very much a team sport. Um, you know, I think, I don't, Darnell, you could probably speak to basketball. Maybe there's a little bit more um, hate in teams and less camaraderie at times because of the battling and the limited number of players that really hit top points. Um, and I think, and game breakers, let's say, whereas in hockey, to some extent on a triple A team, any given guy could, could win the game that day. And so, um, my concern would be that you, you point out the negative side or the negative nuance, right. With regards to hockey, having this group problem. Although again, the one thing is, I think you've got a unique or, or new, you have individual scenarios that are problematic. And I, and I would say based on my conversations with some elite hockey players, it's not a pervasive problem, but the, the pervasive problem is at sort of the unaccountability level and the, the manner in which you're cultivating people's character. And again, I go back to the idea, like, you know, where are we teaching men to be men and what is a good version of men versus just plastering toxic masculinity over a Gillette ad as the means of, of we're communicating what it is to good to be what's good. What does a good man look like? Right. Right. Um, so um, I'm just wondering your take on like elite basketball, the group dynamic and how much the bonding of a, of a group exists there. Uh, well, yeah, the uh, I would say just in regards to the bonding, I, I don't think basketball is as much of a team sport as hockey is, uh, just because one man really can can make the difference. Um, and then, of course, in this country, I, I, you know, basketball is is great and and it's growing. But mm-hmm. um, it and yes, the Raptors won a championship, but I still think you know uh, you know Canada uh, hockey has a special place in Canada in Canadians' hearts. Uh, but what's crazy is that I guess from the top down and talking about character um, and moral accountability, um, from what I read was that um, from 1989 till now, there's been um, 21 sexual assault payouts and a total uh, uh, up to $9 million um, to to uh, pay out uh, the victims. And, and, and that money was coming from... Um, the registration fees uh, in Hockey Canada. And so clearly, uh, like, so, yeah, there, there's been an ongoing issue with this. Uh, well, but years. okay, so here, we need, we need to park this for a second because there's so much nuance even with that statement. One is, in, and I'll have a number of articles I'll put in the show notes page, and I'm, in one of the articles, and I can say this as also in the professional world, it is wise for a board to have funds for claims that potentially are not covered by insurance. Now, of the number you quoted, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but one of the articles, I believe it says 6.9 million of that 9 million was paid out to players who were assaulted by a coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, and well, he, well, he, but, he, but, no, no, but that's, that's my not, point, man. That's not, that is not a hockey-specific problem. This is We know that like teachers coaches they're in a position of compromise and someone who is a 
you know, looking for that, they're going to be driven to those positions because they they're they creates opportunity. So my I, point I don't though know. is I don't know, man. I'm just saying I, I don't I, I don't hear too many coach sexual assault cases in, in, in basketball. But go no, ahead. No, and, and my point is we don't hear a lot in hockey either, but we know about the trainer. What are you, what in, are you talking about? Hold man? on. We know on, about the trainer man. in American gymnastics who was doing this for like 20 years. No. At the remember, elite remember, level. Remember back at uh, 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 Maple Leaf Gardens? Remember that situation? I know. I know. Come There's on, also man. Theo Fleury. Theo Fleury has got a great testimony that he's completely transparent about and how, you know, sexual assault messed up his life. And he's now living in, you know, as a recovering alcoholic because of the damage that went on. So my point, though, is that I would actually think most parents would appreciate the the reserve funds to cover if something like that happened to their child in in this context that hey guess what we're, you know what we we are taking a portion of of the fees that come to us such that if we didn't if the standards we put in place like you know play to protect which I'm not sure if you're familiar with but as a coach a lot like my brother sorry, was telling sorry, me sorry play to protect play to protect um I think is is the name of the program might have changed now. Basically, like as a coach, I have to go through a training to understand. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. like protecting yeah. the player. So my brother yeah, was yeah. saying to for his kids to play hockey, he had to watch an hour and a half video about like avoiding bullying and different. So my point is there, especially today, there's a lot more infrastructure attempting to prevent, you know, whether it be bullying or sexual abuse. Right. Like I know I was coaching five years ago now um, when we were going through one of the biggest things was make sure you as a parent, especially as a sorry, as a coach and a non parent coach, you are never in the room without another adult. Mm. Because there's that means there's no opportunity for another, yeah. not another. OK. Adult to, OK. So like, then so so the, my question is this. Do you think um, Hockey Canada will recover from this? I, I don't see how they don't, to be honest, that like in Canada, I, I've, I, I, I've heard from some of my other hockey friends that it will won't recover from this. So hockey Canada is almost a monopoly. Now, the the one like if hockey Canada doesn't recover, I, I would speculate it ends up being a rebranding new national body that everybody underneath it is still the exact same. Mm -hmm. So it may be hockey Canada with a new dress, but mm -hmm. it's still hockey Canada mm -hmm. because every province technically is its own association, but they just adhere to hockey Canada's policies. And, and where this really becomes like, people don't understand this. There's hockey Canada sanctioned and unsanctioned. If you play, if you decide to play in an unsanctioned league, you're there for the year. Now, there's some minor exceptions. Like, obviously, if you're playing for your high school team in a tournament, there's no problem there. They basically, they might they might not be sanctioned, but they're not, like, you're not on a, a team. The best example of this would be if you're at an age where there's contact in your rep hockey, but you don't want to play contact, you have to go to an unsanctioned hockey league that does rep level hockey without contact. You are now in that league for the year. You cannot play in any sanctioned hockey at the same time. My point is that you've essentially created this 
tiered system where Hockey Canada has a monopoly on all of minor hockey if you're trying to make it to professional sports. Oh, that's fascinating. That's fascinating because that's not that's not the lay of the land in um in basketball in Canada. So no, it's much more cool. it, would you say tournament based and, and independent like school? Yeah, independent and then and then US has a big pull on um what what are our, our what players do. But okay, so let me ask you, what's your two cents on on the issue? I, I think I think this issue, while it's happening in in Hockey Canada, is is a bigger issue. And I think, much like the Joe Boot comment about institutions, this is another institution. It's perpetuating mm-hmm. underlying problems. Yep. In and of itself, hockey is not the problem. The culture, the particulars of hockey, isn't the problem. Meaning the group bonding, the the you know the character development of people isn't inherently the problem it's that as i was saying the four things i laid out at the beginning right i think those cultural factors result in a unique um symptom of this underlying societal problem and that's where you know as i said just i think you look at the nfl and its problem with you know outlier quarterbacks it's the same problem. It's just transpiring in a different place and, and in a different way. Um, I think the other, the thing that we haven't really touched on is that, you know, many of these, like Hockey Canada's statement with regards to these payouts is that, if I'm not mistaken, most, if not all of them were done in a context where no conviction occurred. And it was a matter, and their argument was, we we recognize this person was hurt, and we wanted to help them get past it. Even though no charges were laid, there was an accusation made, and now some people would have called it hush money. Now their position was, it was to help this person move past the situation. And, and while you might say that that's false, blah, 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 at the end of the day, the dilemma is that with the God complex and the unaccountability. Why are they unaccountable? Right? It's because we, the law, the law, we're, not everyone's equal under the law, right? Money can make things go away. And many of these players, because of the developmental system, become assets of the system. And what do you do when your asset is at risk? You protect the asset. But if we remove the means of protecting the asset, which is what I'm saying is the problem, Right, not being equal under the law. That's the problem. It's not something specific to hockey culture. It's that these players who have a God complex have been used to getting away with things because we don't hold them accountable. But that also goes to the cultural, the parents, the the fact that the culture deems masculinity as toxic in and of itself. Right? So and you also have, you know, the the sexual revolution or the sexual Push forward of, no, be whatever you want. Do whatever you want, right? As long as it's consensual. And, and you know, I would say, I'll put in the show notes page. There's a great interview um, that, that I shared with, with Darnell before this um, from uh, Ted Bundy and Focus on the Family talking about how his unchecked lust in essence and, and pornography helped shape his desires. And obviously this is the most perverted you know, 
detestable person in terms of what they what one of the things they did and he's not and i would say this interview is is really telling i think to understand how this can be a contributing factor to perverting the the pleasures and the desires of someone's mind <clears throat> and so even just the things that are in pornography that are close or similar or not that far removed from these accusations, especially the group scenario stuff that, that seems to be the, the big issue here. Um, it's normalized in that culture to some extent, or in that, in the fact that whether it's, let's say storylines or, or whatever, um, it's, it's turning the, the expectations to a manner that is unrealistic. And again, the culture is not cultivating, uh, I would say a godly or a biblical ethic towards sex. And I think if we, again, some might say that there's alternatives, but from my side of it, from, I think Darnell would agree. If we were promoting a biblical manner towards sex, that the acceptance of certain behaviors becomes much different than when we view uh, sex as a pleasure to be taken part of, but with accountability, with, you know, protection. So I, I think, you know, just to uh, maybe just to crouch all of my comments in, you know, any type of violation of another person and their property, of course, I'm against, you know, just take my standard non my libertarian or non-aggression principle. By no means do I want to dismiss any, you know, inappropriate actions that anyone's had with any of my comments. But um, I, again, I don't lay I don't see anything specific about hockey culture or hockey environments. And, you know, the none of these things have ever been present in the the, you know, what 30 plus years that I've been playing, I've never seen anything like this. Um, even in my dressing rooms, you know, in terms of, um, let's say overly degrading comments to women or things like that, that, that maybe might be speculated or thrown out. Um, I would say that in my dressing, in the dressing rooms I've been in, I've never seen, not, not to say that I haven't heard a comment that I'm like, you're an idiot. But in, my point is that I don't see it any more than I see it in any other locker room or or male only context. Mm -hmm. What about you? What's your what's your two cents on this? I think that uh, uh, the, 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 there's a, a saying. Um, I can't remember who said it, but um, winning covers up a multitude of sins. Mm. Right, winning <laughs> covers up a multitude of sins. Not love, but winning. And so um, the idea is, yeah, clearly these guys are reckless, and that's why I asked them to start about, um, you know, is, is 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 the Hockey Canada program successful? So it's kind of it's an institution, it's an empire, and so if guys are winning, then you know, then they'll turn a blind eye to the misbehavior. And then, uh, so I think about Jeremiah 31, 29, it says the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the teeth of the children are set on edge. And I was just like, oh, hmm. So I think that like, um, I think Hockey Canada will recover because, um, you know, the heart and strength of, of any program is usually at the grassroots level. And Canada is so big, I mean, um, you know, ho hockey is so popular um, and so broad that, you know, there's always talent sprouting up somewhere. 
And as long as you have talent, you always have um, a successful program. Uh, so I think that um, there, there's a lot of good men and women in Hockey Canada. Just a couple bad apples, right? You know, one mm -hmm. bad apple mm -hmm. could spoil a whole bunch, but there's a lot of good men and women in, in hockey. And I'm sure that um, this is definitely a time for, for them to rise up and, and other people to change the way they've been doing things. Like your brother said, like, you know, he has to, you know, do some other, uh, watch videos and really consider uh, other aspects of the culture that he probably didn't have to think about before. Mm -hmm. So when you look at Proverbs 3.12, it says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, as does a father, the son in whom he delights. So these boys who are running wild um, and think they could do whatever they want, I, I think they're going to be checked more, um, if not by their biological fathers, than by their um, coaching fathers. That's my two cents. Yeah, and and I think uh, the one thing I'll I'll leave this with is you know like every organization, they're they're always got to deal with a PR problem, right? Like, I mean, you know, I'll touch touch on one thing in in hockey. A couple years ago, there was a really good Ottawa Senators hockey team, and all of a sudden they were just blown up, and you know there's some whisperings as to what happened, but it really didn't make sense. Like it didn't make sense that they had to, and and the speculation would be that that something happened that was, and I and it's not in this particular one. I'm not. It's not a any sort of sexual, at least not that I was aware of. It was sort of something else, um, that that was speculated as to what occurred, and the manner in which and and what happened. Did did hockey? Did the NHL? Did the Ottawa Senators pay to make this go away? But you know, part of the deal was to make you know they actually had to blow up their team because the the dynamic of players were getting into things that they shouldn't have been getting into. Um, and so, you know, there's a dilemma here in that, you know, the PR side of things sometimes can skew our perspective because there's always a manner of saving face. We have to understand that. That's always going to happen. And sometimes saving face might be a lack of being, you know, publicly transparent about things but that doesn't necessarily put things offside. Um, and so I, I just say that to say that, you know, we, we clearly are judging from the outside and I think it's really easy to come to certain conclusions and just chalk it up as, Oh, they're just, you know, protecting the oppressor. Um, but you know, I know the one that the, the case that they just settled is I, under, when I dug in and read it, part of the reason they settled was cause like, to actually relive an event for the person who's been traumatized is very difficult. Like I have a, a close friend of mine who basically was, was the, you know, lead plaintiff, if you want to call it that in a case against a teacher. And honestly, the thing that traumatized her the most was going through the court case and reliving every detail. And so, you know, the idea of like paying out the money, even if it was a false claim, we know that if we tried to force them to prove it, it was potentially more traumatic. While punishing the person might be the right thing, would, would punishing them while leaving somebody with a lifelong trauma because I forced them to relive it in every little detail in a court case be the right decision? And so these are really difficult things to wrestle with because it might mean that things aren't as transparent as we want them to be as an outsider.
but for the, all the, you know, individual harms that went on in the, in, in, in the scenario for the privacy of the individuals for actually moving on, what they did might've actually been the best thing. Um, from a transparency perspective is the part mm-hmm. that I'm referring to. So it, it's really tough. And, you know, it's, I think it's really easy to become outraged, especially if we assume the worst and be like, those people need to be punished. That's wrong. They shouldn't have got away with that. And, and, but that's where I go back to, you know, in general, we have an accountability problem because we allow the court systems to, you know, money to play a bigger role than it should, or wealth to play a bigger role than it should in terms of what's the outcome that occurs. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? What's your two cents on the issue? Is Joel wrong? <laughs> Is hockey corrupt? Is hockey corrupt? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you think um, if the situation was handled uh, correctly or if there's other things that Joel and I uh, missed on, on the issue. Six cents makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.